0: We're going to be talking about the blessings of heaven, the blessings of heaven. This is kind of more of a topical uh, study tonight, and, but I think there's a lot of, of meat here. And so I want us to, um, first of all, look in the book of John, chapter 14, John 14. I shared a little bit of this on uh, during the funeral uh, of Eldie on Friday, but uh, I th- we're going to kind of start here, but we're going to kind of expand from here. That's kind of the, what we're going to be doing. So coming with me in John chapter 14, again, a familiar verses to us, and it talks about the hope of heaven. Uh, the Bible says, John 14 verse one, "Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." Whither I go you know the way you know, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So in these verses, uh, kind of the key word we're looking at there is in verse 2 and verse 3 for that matter, and it's that place, I go to prepare a place for you. And that place is described in a way about the Father's house or many mansions or many Dwelling places we we've talked before. Uh, maybe we'll do a full message on it again, just to kind of refresh. But this is again referring Jewish wedding customs. How uh, the bridegroom would build a little honeymoon cottage adjacent to his father's house. He would add on to his house, kind of like another. Uh, apartment dwelling place adjacent to the father's house but it, the idea is uh, again you can kind of think of it as a little mansion if you will it's not this big opulent place like i got a mansion over the hilltop you know 20,000 bedrooms and 13,000 bathrooms it's not like that okay but it's simply a kind of a, a place adjacent to the father's house so that's the idea um, it's interesting let me kind of throw this in just for fun uh, again, with the King James Bible we have here, this is again around 400 years ago that was written. But the word mansion at that time could have meant also kind of like a little dwelling place, not as in a big fancy Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous type thing that we think of today. And so it, it had a different meaning in a way 400 years ago, the English word that is. Okay? But nonetheless, it is still a place that God has prepared for us. And that itself should excite us. This is a place that God has prepared for us. Uh, I don't know about you, but that should make us really joyful in that, in that regard. So I have a question I want to ask. We read this passage now as we dig into study. Question, how often do you think about heaven? Hmm. Have you ever considered that? How often do we think about heaven? be honest with you, probably not enough. <laughs> When you think about that, how often do we really think about heaven? I think sometimes when we come to funerals or when people face a dire crisis, maybe that is, or maybe when we hear, occasionally you will hear a message about that. When we, uh, maybe in your Bible reading, your daily Bible reading or devotion, perhaps maybe you'll, you'll come across a topic or a verse about heaven. And those are th- simple things, reminders. But in our daily life our daily walk, how often do we really think about heaven? Like I said, probably not enough. But I want to challenge us tonight that thinking about heaven motivates us today to keep on going. That's kind of the goal of what this study is tonight about the blessings of heaven. Thinking about heaven should motivate us today to keep going. Let me start out with a story. This came came from uh, Randy Elcorn's book on heaven. He kind of shares this, and, it's, and the story is about Florence Sh- uh, Chadwick and the fog. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lawrence, uh, or excuse me, Florence Chadwick. And uh, It was in 1952, just a few years ago, the young Florence Chadwick had stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off of Catalina Island, and she determined to swim to shore off of uh, mainland California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. A good accomplishment, okay? So, but the way she, this time that she did it, though, it was in July of, of 1952, that the weather there was foggy and chilly, and she could hardly see the boats that were accompanying her. Now, some of the boats that were around her were filled with men with with rifles to basically ward off sharks, okay? Must have been a good swimming environment. (laughs) But still, she swam for 15 hours from Catalina Island to trying to get to California. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother and coach in a boat alongside her told her that she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered that the shore was less than a half a mile away. Wow. At a news conference the next day, Florence said, All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later, she tried again, and the same thick fog set in. But she succeeded in reaching Catalina. She said that she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind while she swam. Interesting little story there. And uh, she was a prolific, famous swimmer back in the 1950s uh, and did all kinds of amazing things. But that's an interesting little story. And I think that's a good parallel, a good illustration about our thoughts about heaven. I think, and so the idea is this, in the fog of this life with trials and struggles, and the sin that is around us, we often miss sight of the shore. For the believer, the shore is Jesus, and the hope of heaven being in his presence. And perhaps, I think, if more Christians, if we could see the shore, then we could make it. We would go, and we're only a half mile short, and we give up and quit. So heaven is the place that God prepared for his own the shore, if you will. Therefore, if God has prepared it, it's important. Therefore, I think it deserves our attention. It deserves our thoughts about this wonderful place that God has prepared for his own. What a blessing. And what God has provided is always good, and it's for his glory. We can rejoice in that, in that truth. And so, we're going to be talking about a couple questions tonight. And by the way, along the way, if you have a question or maybe a comment, it's going to be a little bit laid back tonight on this, all right? So, if you have, just simply slip up your hand or if you have to say something there. And uh, we'll kind of address that if if we can. So let's talk about what exactly is this place called heaven? What exactly is this place? And first of all, when we think of heaven, a very simple term, heaven is a place of eternal hope for the redeemed. It's a place of eternal hope for the redeemed. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, you know, he was the one who preached the sinners in the hands of an angry God. Okay, Jonathan Edwards said this, to go to heaven... Fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. With that I say amen. You know, I think a lot of times we want that physical mansion over on the hilltop per se, but we we lose sight of the fact that heaven really is a place of eternal hope with the redeemed for the redeemed, and that's spending presence in the presence of God. So, but heaven is a real place that is described in the Bible. Okay? The word heaven itself is found about 276 times in the New Testament alone. Can I I'm going to ask a little Sunday school time here now. What book of the Bible, the New Testament, do you think mentions the word heaven the most? What book of the Bible in the New Testament mentions the word heaven the most? Revelation. That's correct. Revelation by a long shot. 55 times the word heaven is used in the book of Revelation. So, I got a question for you. Is heaven important? Yes, (laughs) it is. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of a a wake-up call for me. I think sometimes when you have different things like funerals and all that, it kind of makes us more aware of that anyways. But the scripture, though, refers to three heavens. Did you know that? The scripture refers to three heavens. How do we know that? Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is kind of an interesting little passage here. And we're going to read just a couple verses here. Verses 1 through 4 we'll look at in 2 Corinthians 12. It says here, Paul is writing, he says, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He's talking about experience he's had with the Lord. It says in verse 2, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, for such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Okay, kind of explains a little bit more there after that. But nonetheless... Paul here talks about being caught up to the third heaven, but when he gets there there are so many amazing things there he was not permitted to speak about it or to write about it. So we talked uh, last time about the hidden will of God and the revealed will of God uh, will of God for example. This is part of that hidden will. We, there are some things we just don't fully know. We just believe it by faith. Bible mentions it but we don't know we have limited knowledge about that. So with that in mind if a th- so here's the thing. If there's a third heaven that exists, there must be two other heavens. So what are they? So this is just kind of general. This is, I got this from, it's called Got Questions. It's a, kind of an interesting website. If you've got questions about the Bible, it's a good little place to find some things there. But anyway, so let's talk about that. The first heaven is most re- frequently referred to in the Old Testament as the Hebrew word is Shemaim. And it refers to the sky or the firmament, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And uh, we talked about the waters being divided from the waters, for example. That's the heavens that we talk about. So this sky here is, this is what, if you will, what the clouds, the clouds that we see, the birds that fly in the air. This is, in a sense, that first heaven. Uh, and so, again, in Hebrew, even today, Israelis call it Shemaim, okay? It's referring to that. Uh, the second heaven... Is what God created as the interstellar or outer space, is the abode of the stars, planet, the suns, and the moons. Okay, this is what God is, the other celestial objects, you know, the Bible says, and He made the stars also. That's a part of that second heaven, if you will. So the third heaven would be, most likely, if we understand the idea, is above that. It's a location not yet revealed or not quite revealed, but it's the dwelling place of God. OK, it's amazing when you think about the satellites and uh, telescopes that have been put into space, uh, even this past year. I forget the name of it now off the top of my head. But I mean, there's I mean, just amazing. I mean, we thought the Hubble telescope was amazing now. I mean, that's like nothing now compared to what they can see. And they still really can't see much beyond that. OK, so where's the third heaven? It's beyond that. So but th- this third heaven is the dwelling place of God. It is here where Jesus promised to prepare a place for true Christians in heaven, as we looked in John chapter 4. And who can go there? Who are the people who are are given access into heaven? And those are those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible says that they will never perish but have everlasting life, John 3.16. But here's the thing. When we talk about heaven and going to heaven, uh, some initial thoughts about going to that place. I like what John Newton said. You know who John Newton is. He's the one who wrote Amazing Grace. Amazing story. By the way, I believe this year is the 250th anniversary of, I believe, the first singing of Amazing Grace uh, as we sing it today. So, But anyways, this is what John Newton said in describing his thoughts about heaven. John Newton said, If I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. First, to meet someone that I thought i uh that I didn't think I would see. Second is to miss someone I expected to see. And third, the greatest wonder of all, to find myself there. <laughs> Isn't there that a bit of truth? I think, I'll be, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven as far as who will be there. Again, people that we didn't imagine that would be there, others that we thought they were, and they're not, but then to find our own selves there. We are, as John Newton said, basically a sinner. Once was blind, now we see we are that wretch that Jesus saved. And so uh, that's a very humbling thought when you think about it. So a question, practically, what exactly, once we get to heaven, what are we exactly going to do in heaven? Now, you know very well in our culture today, if you watch any comics or whatever else like that, what are we going to be doing in heaven? According to some, what are we going to be doing? What what have you heard we're going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be up there doing what? Well, yes, but what does the world say? What do other people say? We're going to be up there. What's the, what's the kind of the, the cartoon, if you will? You're going to be basically sitting up on a cloud, strumming a little harp with a little halo on your head. Okay, Those are ideas that we have. There's a lot of comics, and then there's one, I think it was a Far Side comic, that basically said, had an idea. It's kind of like being a maroon on your own deserted island, and you're thinking, man... I wish I brought a magazine or a book or something. You know, that's, that's the idea. People have an idea that when we get to heaven, it, it's going to be very boring. Well, does the Bible say that? No, absolutely not. So there's a lot of misconfigurations about heaven. There's another thing I just want to throw out there because it's pertinent to what happened this weekend with the funeral uh, with Eldie's passing. Is this, a lot of, there's sometimes you'll hear this, that when someone dies, that they become an angel. Have you ever heard that before? I think sometimes people say that, Uh, sometimes when there's especially a young one that passes so I haven't gained another angel but biblically that's not true there's angels are angels humans are humans okay in fact the Bible says guess what you don't become an angel you get to rule over angels (laughs) I think that's. I, I think I'd think i rather be human in that case, right? That's what God has promised, okay? So we have to think biblically on, on this subject. There's a lot of confusion. That's kind of why I bring this up. There's a lot of confusion of what heaven's going to be like. Uh, what will we do in heaven? So let's look at a few things of what we are going to do in heaven. So now we're going to find out. We talked about which book of the Bible has the most mentions of heaven? Revelation. So let's turn there, okay? We're going to be spending a good bit of time in the book of Revelation tonight. Uh, wonderful book. It really is. The Bible says, blessed are those that read the book of this prophecy. Talking about Revelation. So we're going to get blessed. We're going to get blessed, all right? So let's talk about a few things that happen. Uh, go to Revelation 15. Revelation 15. And the first thing we want to mention here is found there in verse 3. Okay? Verse 3. And it says here, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of the saints. So this verse here talks about one thing that will happen in heaven is singing. So that's a part of worship, but we get to sing. All right? We enjoy a little singing here tonight. We did this morning. I don't know, if have you ever been in a... Uh, I guess when I was in Bible college, that probably the closest thing. But have you ever been in a large group of people singing maybe a hymn or a Christian song, Um, you know, maybe with over a thousand people? You get that environment. I mean, there's nothing like it. Um, There were sometimes some men's conferences I go. There would be, you know, hundreds of men singing. Um, It's just a wonderful experience. But that's nothing compared to what's going to happen in heaven. So singing is a part of that. Okay, another thing is, and Wendy kind of mentioned this earlier, is worship. Go with me to Revelation 5, Revelation 5, and look at verse 9, Revelation verse 5, okay. Uh, Revelation 5 verse 9 says, and they sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us priests, or has made unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Okay, so um, there is a little bit of debate exactly who is saying this exactly, but nonetheless, we believe it's the the saints or some believers at least that are there. But nonetheless, uh, there is a there is worship in heaven. That's the bottom line. There is worship in heaven. So very important. Now go back to the end of Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. okay? In Revelation 22 we find a couple other things. What, what else is going to be happening in heaven? and that is serving. We get to serve the Lord there. okay? In verse uh, chapter 22 verse 3. It says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's us. We get to serve the Lord, uh, doing probably a variety of things, serving the Lord in that environment. So, you know, so far, we've we got a lot going on. Uh, going on to verse 5, okay, chapter 22, verse 5. And there shall be no night there, and they, shall ha- they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So the idea that we will be reigning but back in 2 Timothy 2.12 kind of mentions the same thing, and we mentioned we will rule over angels. So in a sense, we will be ruling uh, over there as well in heaven. So we have some type of at least delegated... Uh, responsibility if you will we get to we will be ruling in that environment. Uh, another thing too is and we won't turn there but think of the Transfiguration uh, when Jesus was transfigured who appeared with him? Moses and Elijah and so there is from that we kind of get that there will be a fellowship with one another. I think that maybe a lot of times when Christians think about heaven we should acknowledge that we will see Jesus okay? But a lot of times, we think about that fellowship. We get to see maybe Brother Eldie, for example. We will get to see maybe a loved one or a friend that passed away that um, you know we we are hoping will be there, definitely. And there will be that fellowshipping with one another. One thing, too, I think, uh, just a little nuanced to think about this, that will we be able to recognize one another in heaven? I think we will. And part of that, I think, from the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, they knew each other from that environment. They knew Jesus. And the fact is that Peter, James, and John also recognized him. <laughs> okay? So that I, I believe that there we will have that association. We're not going to be these robots or, again, just mere angels. No, I think we will have personality. Uh, God created us in that way. That's part of his creative nature. Okay? So I think we will be able to recognize one another. Okay? Another thing we will get to do is, and Harvey, you'll, you're going to like this one, we'll get to eat in heaven. <laughs> Uh, Revelation chapter 2 talks about the manna that is given to those who are overcome. God will give that holy manna to them. Also, you think about the tree of life that will give the fruit to the nations for the healing of the nations. Uh, And so those are some ideas that perhaps will be eaten or used in some aspect. Um, I think another thing, maybe you could think of it too, that Jesus in his resurrected body uh, did what with his disciples? He ate with his disciples. He didn't have to. I mean, he was not just a mere spirit. Can a spirit eat? No. So this this is a very important thing as we see that. So that's a little bit of what we will do in heaven. So are we going to just be sitting on a cloud strumming a harp with a halo on our head? No. It's going to be very active. Uh, There's a place for us to serve and to fellowship with one another. It's going to be a place of joy. So no, you will not be bored in heaven. You don't have to bring a magazine or a book with you, folks. It's not like the waiting room at the doctor's office. That's like purgatory, okay? (laughs) Feels like it, right? But anyway, uh, let's talk about another question here. It is, what is the quality of life going to be like? How is our life, what is our life actually going to look like? We talk about things we do, but what is our life actually going to look like? So here we are in Revelation 22. We're going to look at a couple verses here. Look at me in verse 4. Verse 4 says, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. So the first part of that verse, and they shall see his face. This implies relationship, okay, to see God face to face. I think one thing that's uh, talking about the friend, being a friend of God, who got to see God in a sense face to face, if you will, as friend with friend, that was Moses, okay? The reaction that Moses had that really the rest of the people did not have, we will get to experience that firsthand, having that relationship and fellowship with God, That's going to be a part of our quality of life. We're going to have a constant. Think of Adam and Eve. They had that fellowship with God, walking with God in the midst of the garden. Guess what? This is Eden renewed. This is what we're seeing here. Okay? Also, we will have a life of rest back in Revelation 14. It talks specifically, in this case, about the martyrs who basically were under great persecution during the tribulation time. And the Bible, Jesus promised them that they will have rest uh, from all their struggles and it's not, I don't think it's just applied simply to the tribulation of martyrs there, but I think even for us as believers, we will find true rest in heaven. Um, I think we, there's gonna be work to done, but it will be a restful work. I think when you think of Adam and Eve and the work that they did in the garden, it was a pleasant work. It was a work that in a sense even probably energized them. but it was a rest, think of this, it's probably an oxymoron for us today. It was a restful work. Think about that. Can you have a restful work? Uh, I think your, your mind's going to be sp- uh, stirring for that. Okay, But nonetheless, it'll be a life of rest. Okay, It'll also be, look with me in Revelation 22, 3. Uh, it's a life of service. We kind of talked about it. His servants shall serve him. So it's a life of service. It'll be also a life of growth. This is an interesting verse. Look in verse 2. It says here, in the midst of the street of it, this is talking about the... The city that's there, in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there there was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, so this is talking about growth. Obviously, there's a tree of life that yielded her their fruit, gave their fruit, which implies what that there's growth. There's a continuing life that's there. Okay, so in other words, it's not just going to be this stagnant. Life, you know, just kind of very structured. There's going to be a growth that's there. Probably just again, like the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve could enjoy the fruit of the Garden of Eden. Even so, we will have that experience in experiencing that growth. It'll be a life of growth, and then last of that, the quality of life. It'll be a life of worship. In in Revelation chapter 19, just a few pages back, Revelation 19, it'll be a life of worship says in verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, "Hallelujah! salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. It'll be a life of worship. Now, I don't think it's going to be, some people have this idea that heaven is all going to be just like a big church service all the time. I don't think it's going to be like that. And I'll be honest with you, some people are afraid of that. Maybe because they've just had a bad church experience. I can't say one way or the other, and they think, oh, man, this is going to be boring. We have to listen to pastor for you know, a million years. <laughs> it's got to be like that, okay? There's going to be a lot involved, but part of our life is going to be filled with worship, singing praises to our God, being with him, fellowshipping, working, experiencing the growth. I mean, it'll be a very full life. Think of, again, Adam and Eve in the garden. Was Adam and Eve in a church service the whole time? no but there were sweet times of fellowship they had that with the lord also work think of that in that term okay but i want to give you a bonus we talked about again what is exactly this place called heaven we talked about what we'll do in heaven the quality of life in heaven but i want to finish out tonight with the no more's of heaven this is bonus the no more's of heaven there will be no more this that and the other uh, there's probably more i listed out nine different things the first of all There will be no more sea. Look with me in Revelation 21. Revelation 21 in verse 1 says here, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. The idea of seas and the seas that we have today, of course, they separate continents. They separate people. they They separate cultures, things like that. But in this new heaven and new earth, this heaven, if you will, there will be no more separation anymore. When you think of it, after the Garden of Eden, from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. People were separated. Tower of the Babel, people were being separated. Uh, You can go, sin separates us. But here in God's plan, there will be no more separation. That's an interesting thought right there. Another thing. Two, this is more so in regards to those the tribulation saints, but in Revelation chapter seven, it talks about that there will be no more hunger revelation seven uh sixteen if you want the uh the uh, reference there there will be no more hunger in heaven, but there'll still be food. <sighs> Harvey's happy, okay. You just won't hunger. You're not going to be famished. You're not going to And hunger. When we think about hunger, that's just like man. I man, I can't wait for lunch to get here. This is like desperation hunger. Okay, there, God will provide our needs. Okay, there are also now in Revelation 21. Let's look in verse four. There's going to be a bunch of them here. It says here in verse four, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death. There's another no more. There will be no more. Sorrow, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain. There's four right there, okay? So very important. And here's the big one, that there will be no more death. Why is that? Because Jesus has conquered death. That's why. And in the, in the new heavens and new earth, in this heaven, we will not experience death. There will be no more death. We won't have to worry about it. No more funerals. Isn't that amazing? When you think about that, I don't know about you, but heaven's not a boring place, folks. Again, do we think about heaven that much? Not enough. Not enough. I think a lot of times like that swimmer that we're so close to the shore because of the fog, we don't realize it. But if we knew what is awaiting us, we're going to go. We're going to be persistent. We're going to persevere until the Lord returns. Another thing, too, is this. Another no more is that there will be no more curse. Look with me in verse, chapter 20, uh, go to chapter 23, excuse me, chapter, chapter 22, excuse me, verse 3 of Revelation. 22, verse 3. It says here in verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. The curse has to do with sin. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? God pronounced curses. He said, curse be the ground, for example. I, you know, think of it this way. In the new heaven, new earth, you won't have to pull up weeds. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How many would look forward to that? I don't know about you. Even with my little garden I do in the summer, man, I, I don't like weeds. They're, they're a nuisance. Get them out of here. That's a result of the fall. But there will be, the curse is reversed. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? Another thing, too, is uh, back in Revelation chapter 20, Chapter 20 in verse 3. Revelation 20, verse 3. This is a blessed one. And I think this is something we all should look forward to. There will be no more Satan's attacks. (laughs) Verse 3 says this, and this is uh, during the millennial time, but uh, it says here, And cast him, Satan... The devil in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years be fulfilled, and after he must be loose for a little season. And of course, if you know the end of the story, you know the fate of Satan, that he will be cast into the bottomless pit, and so or into the lake of fire. Okay, so the, he his doom is sure. But in there will be no more Satan's attacks in heavens. And then the, probably the last one I want to share with you back in Revelation twenty two. In verse 5, verse 5 says this, And there shall be no night there. They have no need of candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So there will be no more night. Why is that? Because the Lord is the light. His glory is the light. And so basically everything we have is of God. He supplies us. So there's a lot, maybe there's a couple of no mores out there, but think of that. The no mores of heaven, no more sea, no more hunger, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more curse, no more Satan's attacks, no more night, no more death. I don't know about you. That should make us excited, comfort us. Uh, again, going back to that very first question, how often do we think about heaven? Probably not enough. But in thinking about heaven, it should motivate us today to simply keep on going. That's a blessing. So maybe if you have a song with you in your heart, maybe when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout what? The victory. We talked about that, victory in Jesus today. So I don't know about you, but that'll preach. (laughs) But let's be faithful until the Lord returns. And we look forward to that one day. And again, don't give up in the midst of it. For a lot of us, you know, we're just a half mile from the shore. Have that image of the shore in your mind and who's waiting for you there. And I think that'll keep us going.